Amarillo by morning Up from San Antonio Welcome to Fires on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan. Right next to me is Roy. I want to wish you a happy birthday. Yeah, because by the time this comes out, it'll have been my... Well, yesterday... No, what is today? Today, yeah. I'm talking about yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I turned 18 years sober. 18 years sober. 18 years of sobriety, of continuous sobrieties, including all days that ended in Y. Uh, it is, uh, I, you guys don't want to hear about this, but let no, me just we've, tell we've, you. We've talked a little bit about your, you know, ancient ancient past and, yeah. and all that. So I know that this is a big deal for you. It is um, the single most defining, like we, we sell in, in recovery, uh, we celebrate birthdays. Uh, and, and at least in, in Southern California recovery, at least in California recovery, other places they call it anniversary. You know, they you know they call them chips or whatever. Um, I we we call them birthdays, and and I really believe that. You know, I thought my life was over when I got sober at 30, 31, Sorry, um, but it didn't really start. My life really didn't begin until I got into recovery, and we so we celebrate birthdays. I don't, you know, I'm not so much into going to meetings anymore these days. Um, but I, uh, you know, it is a birthday because it is a new life. I have a new design for living. I, I live my life differently than I used to, not only just with not the drinking, but attitude, um, the way I view life, the way I deal with, uh, with stuff, you know, the stuff that comes up. And uh, it's, it's truly, it's an amazing thing that's happened in my life. And believe me, I would not have, Anything. Well, the, the disease never gave me anything. I never took anything away, sorry, because I never had anything. I didn't buy my first VCR till I was like nine months sober. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? I didn't, you know, I, I didn't buy my first car till I was like two years sober. Huh. All um, right. You know, and I've only been married three years, so like I didn't lose a wife. I didn't lose a car. But for me, the disease never even gave me the opportunity for those things to happen. Huh. And they did not happen. And, and that's just material stuff. What, what really matters is how I feel about me and myself and how I view the world um, is really big. But we're not here to talk about that. Thank you very much. Um, if you do have, if, if you listen to this and you think possibly that you can't possibly not live without drinking, Feel free to DM me if um, on Twitter, like I have no problem with with uh, sharing my experience, strength, and hope with those that may hear this and glean, you know, some um, small desperation to reach out because I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the absolute terror, bewilderment, and frustration that goes along with living with active alcoholism and drug addiction. Uh, it's not fun. Um, so yeah, well, I have a lot of appreciation and respect for, you know, the fact you were able to turn your life around 18 years ago Yeah, and the, the, the guy that you are right now in front of me. So I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Thank um, you. It, it, if your birthday was a human, it could theoretically go out and buy smokes, but it wouldn't do that. Right. Or vote. <laughs> um, but next week I turn the big five Oh, November 11th is my birthday. Oh, I was, hey, so okay. I was in rehab for like five days into rehab. You know, they bring out a, at the end of the night, we sit around the table and the, whoever's been there the longest does the thing or whatever. And they brought out a cake. I'm like, wow, whose birthday is it? They're like, it's yours, you idiot. I'm like, oh yeah. So I celebrated my 31st birthday in rehab. Um, well, well, happy big five zero uh, coming up, too. Ugh, dude, it's bad. But let's get on with it. Let's get on with the show. All right. You guys, so the coolest thing happened, and I want to talk about this for a second. The Cam- Canberra Calvary had announced that they're partnered with the San Diego Padres. Yeah. As they called the Padres an affiliate, an affiliation or an affiliate. Um, in the years past, the Padres have had uh, 
multiple players on different teams. Yeah, but they, I want to say that they had... So when Michael Geddes was down there, there were... They were with Canberra. Was it Canberra? Okay, well, a couple years ago when it was... Um, there was Adelaide Bite down there. I think we had yeah. a player, uh, Jared, Dye, uh, Jared Dye. Jared Dale is from Jared Australia. Jared Dale is from Australia. Yeah, but uh, Buddy Reed went down there and had a big a big winter. Yeah. Gabriel Arias had a big winter. Absolutely. There were a couple other guys uh, that kind of went down there and found something, and then that carried over into what they did with both of those guys. It was going into single A. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Canberra Cavalry, they have signed Jordy Barley, Juwan Harris, and Taylor Colway to play in the Australian Winter League. Yeah, and that's just the beginning. I think we'll be sending more guys down there as as the season uh, as it gets closer. I think it's the end of the month. You know, now that we talk about this, when I was when we were there at spring training, there were some guys from Australia that were down there. They were they, talking to the Padres brass. They were the Adelaide Bite. So oh, what, that's right. Okay. So one of the coaches that are down there now was a coach for the Storm. Oh. I can't remember the name. Okay. But uh, God, and I can't remember who told me that story. It was someone in the Padres organization that explained that to me. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember the... I really I couldn't remember the name of the coach. But yeah, he was a Padres coach before he went down to Australia. All right. Well, that's nice that they have a relationship with him. And now we have to keep track of what's going on in the uh, Australian Winter League, just like we did last year. And, and we will... But, you know, the games don't start till like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, here. well, that's where I check them the morning after and see what they did. I don't have all this free time like you do to stay up to the <laughs> oh wee hours God. of the morning watching Australian baseball. Well, you got a crazy schedule like mine. I get off work at 10 and 30, get home at 11. I can catch a few innings before I go to bed. So, I w- so like the Dominican Winter League, everybody grows up breathing baseball. Yeah. And so it's a madhouse. In Australia, everybody grows up playing soccer and cricket. Yeah. So... I, I can't imagine there's that much familiarity with the sport. I wonder if there's a lot of like confusion and like explanation that has to happen as it's like it's cricket is such a different game. It, it, like well, cricket is completely foreign to me. Have you ever tried to watch cricket? Yeah, it's just boring. It It is, but I don't, the rules of it, I, nobody sat down and explained it to me. And if you take somebody who doesn't know baseball and you sit down there and you start like as the game's going along, you start trying to explain the rules of what's going on, yeah. you realize it's a really freaking complicated game. Yeah. There's rules and exceptions and little caveats for this and that. And it's like, holy cow, how did I learn? How did how do I know all this stuff? Because I don't even have to think about it. Well, I mean, sometimes I have to think about it now. I'm on base. I forget how many outs there are because I'm a, I'm a moron like that. Well, and even now in the Major League Baseball game, the rules are in, in up for interpretation, which was a huge thing. Oh, yeah. How how much do they enforce the batter running inside the baseline? Oh, geez. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. So the Premier 12. So let's go on about more about uh, national baseball. So the Premier 12 tournament is going on right now. Yeah, I didn't even realize that this was attached to Olympic births. Yeah, so this is Team USA playing in. They played in Guadalajara, Guadalajara Mexico. They are done there. That's the Group A. Um we just finished beating the DR. Actually, let me just read this here. Team USA beat the DR in the, in the loser's bracket to punch a ticket to Tokyo. Helped to continue to qualify for the U.S. 2020 Olympic Games. After crushing the Netherlands in their first game, they lost to Mexico in the second to set the stage for Monday's game. Now, playing for Mexico, third base, former Padre, Christian Villanueva. Oh, how about that? Okay. Playing second base, current El Paso Chihuahua, Esteban Kiros. Pony. And he's been going off. Hit a grand slam. Yeah. Absolutely. And there was some tweets from John Morosi who was down there who uh, who said that he had impressed scouts 
And uh, he said something about being on a forty-man roster where Kevin Charity just chewed him up. But no, no, I, I, and there, I, 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 I tweeted this to Kevin. I think that Kevin was kind of misinterpreting what John was saying because yeah. the Padres have control on Kiros. Yeah, they don't need to add him into the forty-man roster because he's not exposed to the Rule Five draft yet. No. so they can hold on to him. And they don't have to worry about him like leaving the organization somehow. But at the same time, he's looking like a polished player who you could potentially plug into a major league lineup right away. Yeah, and he's 27, so he's getting to that age where, you know, he's peak performance right now at, at 27. Um, so is he a switch hitter? He's either a lefty hitter or a switch hitter. I mean, lefty hitter, and he can play second, third, and shortstop. Yeah. So I wonder if Greg Garcia might be looking over his shoulder this uh, spring training because you got to figure that this guy's going to get an invite to spring training. Absolutely. Um, also, with the um, we didn't mention he was up for a Milby, which is the minor league baseball. Oh, that's um, right. It was a, he had so that walk off home run, walk off grand slam, but it was the inning where they scored like they were down like eight, twelve runs. They were just it was a record breaking night. I think they scored ten runs in that inning. Yeah. And it capped off with the grand slam, and yeah. that's they wound up winning by three. They yeah. needed one run. I think they were behind when he stepped up to the plate. He yeah. hit a grand slam, and he was up for a Milby, but he didn't win it. Some other. It's a popularity contest, the Milby. It's yeah, you know, but it, you know, Esteban Quiros won the Milby of my heart. Yeah, he did minor league baseball heart. So overall, in Group A, the Padre prospects, um, like Elson Storm, Xavier Edwards, playing uh, for Team USA, two runs. He went two for five. He went two. Thank you very much. I just screwed that all up on my prep there. It made a few great plays at second base. Uh, Gail from Prospects 360. Um, pretty sure it's Prospects 360. But she yes. watched several of the games. and said He made several plays. Um, did really well. Some of the tweets coming out from there was like he plays way above his age. I think Kyle Glazer had sent something about it. Where he's just a, he's a prospect. He's going to be a top prospect. He is a top well, prospect. He does the little things right. He's, he's consistent. He's steady. Yeah. He he makes the plays. He his throws are accurate. So he doesn't look flashy out there. He's not Gabriel Arias where you look and you go, wow, and there's just athleticism oozing yeah. out of the guy. And but he gets to everything. He makes all the plays. He doesn't make the the dumb mistakes, throwing to the wrong bag or you know yeah. getting tripped up with his footwork and stuff. He's he looks good out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Esteban Quiroz playing for Team Mexico went one for seven with a grand slam and two runs scored, which was great. Henry Henry, who played for the Dominican Republic, allowed two hits and a walk and a strikeout and one and two thirds scoreless innings. I love seeing him starting to play for Dominican. Yeah, uh, some of these teams will be playing for the WBC here in the coming years. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of cool. And then Franklin Van Gerp played for uh, played for the Netherlands Team Netherlands because he's from the island nation of saint martin saint martin in the in the caribbean yeah all right so moving on to the winter leagues josh naylor remains day-to-day -day, although he hasn't played in a week for escogido in the dominican republic since suffering a calf strain diving for a ball in foul territory i would love to know if he and uh, jace tingler established much of a relationship because they didn't work together for that long right but at least they were you know they they I'm sure Naylor knew that Tingler was in yeah. the running yeah. and and all of that stuff. Yeah, because he flew out a couple times. It's I want to know what Tingler thinks of Naylor hitting one of the stratosphere and then standing there folding his arms and watching it go. Well, I, you know that's funny thing. We, we, we should have talked about that with um with Raúl Padrón. Oh, we'll be talking I meant to, to later ask on. him about Billy Hong. Yeah. <laughs> what does he think about Billy Hong's bat flips? 
We're totally screwing up the timeline of this. So later on, we'll be talking to Amarillo uh, hitting coach, Rello Padron. Um, and it's an excellent interview. You guys are really going to enjoy it. But that's what happens down there. That's what, you know, it's accepted to do that. And it was a Well, pimp- it's not completely accepted because you saw the catcher standing behind him, right? No, I didn't. I, the well, catcher, like, put his arms out, like, run, fool. I didn't know. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. noticed he did something, but I thought, I'm like, hey, it was maybe. No, that's what it looked like to me. It was like, you better start running. All right. So nice. uh, there's there's a margin. It's like you've earned yourself so much. Right. So Tatis, after tearing it up all season, and then the huge – so, yeah, flip your bat to the sky. I don't know what the situation was with Naylor, but it's early in the season. So it's like, have you really done enough to earn that? Right. It wasn't a walk-off. It was just a bomb. Yeah. It's still, it's still awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still kind of fun to see that because Josh is so you know once he gets the dugout he's it's crazy when he hits a home run but like on the field um, in the interview he does he's very quiet very stoic very like you know that's the way he is you know his chop is kind of like oh here's a chop um, but I, that's because he doesn't want to show anybody up he's a respectful guy yeah and I, and I appreciate that but you you know you see him when he can like take the reins off. Yeah, once he gets down in the dugout, <laughs> runs through the runs the gauntlet. He's <laughs> like a bull in a china shop. Slapping Fran Mill in the face. <laughs> so uh, second baseman Ivan moving on. Second baseman Ivan Castillo, who was the Texas League batting champion for Double A San Antonio last season, finished this past week strong for Escondido, hitting two thirty nine after going five for fifteen with a home run and two runs scored in his past three games. Catcher Webster Rivas was two for four in his second game and his first start for the Gigantes in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And outfielder Rodrigo Orozco was two for five with a triple and an RBI in his past two games for Culiacan in the Mexican Pacific League. Yeah, Culiacan. So, oh, yeah. so you got that one. Hey, well, uh, yeah, that's one of the one of the older franchises in uh, Mexican League Baseball. So I see we got a remnant from last week's notes here, but Evan Drellich, he put, published an article this week about the automated strike zone. Yeah. Apparently, um, um, man, oh my God, Commissioner. Rob Manfred. Yes, thank you. Rob Manfred said something alluding to that they were going to have the automated strike zone somehow incorporated into minor league baseball. There, yes. there weren't any details to it, though. There weren't any details, and I couldn't believe that Evan got that much information out of out of Major League Baseball. But it sounds like that's going to be the case. Not every team. I we don't. You know, it's in the article. It said maybe some of the Florida League teams because they are in uh, a lot of the Florida League. Well, they're all in the complexes. So none of that. Not that. Sorry, that technology is not in every minor league ballpark. But I think now we're going to start slowly seeing it. Well, spread out. This year they're changing the technology. They're going away from, is it a TrackMan that they use yeah, now? Yeah, TrackMan data. They're going away from TrackMan, and they're installing Hawkeye equipment in all of the parks. So I believe that's going to be all the major league and minor league parks. I don't know if that even goes down to the complexes and the yeah. short season yeah. leagues. Uh, but that's the related to the technology that they use in tennis. What and. I went to the different different companies like that's a pretty big contract, you know, not to go all business wide, oh, but yeah. like go from TrackMan to, to Hawkeye. Um, that's interesting, but that's going to be happening. So I would think three to five years, we could see the robo umps. We could, but there's going to have to be some changes made. Yeah. So they had this in the Arizona fall league and there were a couple of moments where it was pretty clear that, so it's, it's the literal definition of the strike zone. Yeah. Any part of the ball has to just barely touch any part of the zone. And there were a couple of pitches that was like a back foot slider that, 
Vladimir Guerrero could barely put a bat on it. And yet it caught just a corner of the zone and it got called a strike by the system. Yeah. And so then you'd see the batter like lean on his bat and look at the umpire like, really? Yeah. And you see the umpire say something. It's like, what, what am I going to do? It's the system. It's so I wonder if <laughs> I, I think they're going to have to adjust the top and the bottom of the zone. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to have to be a, a rule book definition or, or what, because you're seeing high fastballs that have not been called strikes and now right. they're strikes. You're seeing breaking balls at the very bottom of the zone that the catcher has to put his glove in the dirt to catch it and it's catching a part of the zone. So I'm wondering if we're going to see an adjustment to the rule book before they, or at least an interpretation of yeah. the rule book strike zone yeah. as they slowly filter this into affiliated ball. Well, yeah, it's going to take that long to, to define that kind of stuff, to get consistency with the technology um, get consistency with the strike zone. It sounds like um, the technology was more reliable than it was in the Atlantic League. Right, because in the Atlantic League, there was like the it was Wi-Fi, so like sometimes the signal got you know lost, and like he had to go strike. Yeah, yeah, he'd have he to call. To you didn't know yeah. from pitch to pitch if he was going to get the the feedback in his ear to make the call. Yeah, so it's it's few years away, but you know I'm sure for some people it's not going to come soon enough. Well, yeah, because we see what happened in the in the World Series, yeah. where I I have ultimate respect for umpires. They work their butt off. They're incredibly proud of what they do, and they do an amazing job. It's a very very difficult thing to stand there and call balls and strikes. Yeah, you're looking at a three dimensional strike zone, and I'm standing at the top corner of it, and I can't even see part of it. It's that's a hard thing to interpret with no. breaking balls and all of this. So. But then when you have an umpire that doesn't give somebody a call and it's because of body language from the player, at least that's the impression that I got when you had yeah. one guy like flipping a bat and starting to walk toward first, you're like, nope, that's a strike, step back in the box. Or you've got the catcher that's jumping up to throw it around the horn and nope, nope, that's a ball because you were walking away from me. Yeah, like, or the pitcher, you see, whoa, you take that first step towards the dugout, like, oh, maybe not. Yeah, that's I don't go for that. Yeah, it's but, it's a strike or it's a ball. But I love the human element of this is the what makes baseball so great is the human element. And I know we, you know, in this day and age with technology and having to get it right, we got to be perfect. Um, there's something to be said for me, at least for me as a fan, with like, okay, here's Joe West. I know it's gonna be a horrible. You know, he's gonna throw, you know, one baseball outside of the strike zone is gonna be a strike. Well, I know that. So I'm going to, you know, as a pitcher, I'm going to do that. Or as a hitter, like this guy's strike zone is going to be tiny. So I'm just going to hunt fastballs. Well, they put charts up in the dugout for the, about what the umpire does. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a heat map. And so you'll see that this umpire calls more strikes than average uh, above and outside to left-handed hitters. Yeah. So then the pitcher knows that he can live a little bit more. You can stretch it out a little bit more. Or if you've got Joe West back there and you loaned him your 57 Chevy last week, you know you can pitch a couple <laughs> inches inside, right? <laughs> Isn't that what Billy uh, Wagner Billy Wagner was saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't put a whole lot of weight into that. Paul LaDuca apparently got himself into a little bit of hot water for that one. Yeah. Um, but and then, goddamn! So the thing that it. I the the part that I don't care for is when you've got somebody that's a thrower and catcher sets up low and away and he misses his spot by a foot and a half, but it happens to nick the upper corner of the zone, or he got crossed up, got crossed up on the signals, and the the catcher has to leap out of his position just to make an adjustment and get a glove on the ball, but it catches part of the zone and it's a strike. I guess from the batter's perspective, you don't really know. You see the pitch right. coming in, and you have to you have to judge ball strike from that. But the execution isn't there. 
So you're rewarding a pitcher for not quite executing what he wanted to do. Right. And that happens a lot with uh, a, it'll be a really good pitch or a close pitch and he won't catch it. And, yeah. And like, well, that was a strike. But, oh, but he didn't catch it. They called it a ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one. Um, And then where's pitching framing going to go from here? Where's the art of of that? That of goes setting away. Up that disappears of, completely. I guess you want to pre- present a target that you want the pitcher to see. And there's also the part where you don't want to give the batter too much information because some of these guys, they'll peak. Or yeah. I, I'm certain that the Astros have some way of letting the batter know if somebody's setting up inside or outside. Because you see in the postseason, they start setting up super late. Like they're sitting inside. And then as the pitcher's winding up, they're popping outside to set up the yeah. target. But framing doesn't matter anymore. So now what matters is blocking the ball, controlling the running game, and presenting a target for your pitcher. So it's a different skill set. And it takes away from the game. But, if, you know, for us that that love the human – I love the human element of the game. I love the miscall. I mean, the blatant miscalls with, like, you know, the perfect game, stuff like that. That's bad. Or even, even a home run that – Oh, know. off topic. Did you see on Major League on the Major League uh, MLB Network there was a half hour show about that? No. About uh, was it Armando Galarraga? Yeah. That had that perfect game and Jim Joyce. It was two outs in the ninth inning and Jim Joyce blew the call. Yeah. And he everybody knew it, but what can you do? And so they went down. They talked to everybody that was there. They talked to Jim Joyce, and every, it was a fantastic show. If you have a chance to find it, it was really good. I'll find it. And you know, finally, he did days after that. He did apologize, and he had a, I don't know a press conference, but he cried. Like, oh, it was after it was after the game. Yeah, like he went in and saw it, and I mean, his heart sank. And yeah. he says that in the show, like he felt horrible because he took a moment of history away from that kid, and that's that's absolutely not. He's. Everybody says he's one of the best umpires in baseball. He's retired now. Yeah. Uh, but one of the best at his game, one of the most accurate umpires. Great and he just, strike call. Hey! And that that part is never going to go away. Yeah. I always want to have an umpire behind the plate so he can pull the chain on an imaginary yeah. chainsaw. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. The, the one-legged chow! Have you seen Mark Grant's impersonations? Yeah. <laughs> Those are a little bit older, though, yeah? They are, yeah. The guys used to have a little bit more style than they do now. So, hey, let's get on with the show. Let's get you to Rival Padron. But first, let me tell you about my friend, Dr. Travis Ehlers, a certified sports chiropractic physician, 14 years in the business. He specializes in sports injuries and prevention. He works with high school, college, and several local professional athletes, uh, including the U.S. Olympic Center down in Chula Vista. He goes to the NFL Combine every year. You guys, I can't say enough about Travis, how much he's helped me uh, stay not only playing baseball, um, but you know, staying at work. I'm on my feet a lot. Uh, give him a call, 844-627-4763, or go to drtravisehelers.com. That's D-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-E-H-L-E-R-S.com. He'll fix you up today. And we'll be right back with Warul Padron. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo's on my Raul Padron joined the Padres organization in 2016 as a coach for the Fort Wayne Tink Caps, then hitting coach for Lake Elsinore in 2017, where he continued the tutelage of Austin Allen, Josh Naylor, and Ty France. 2018, he joined the AA Missions, where he helped put the finishing touches on a 19-year-old phenom by the name of Fernando Tatis Jr. And this year, Raul helped the Sod Poodles win the Texas League Championship in their inaugural season. Welcome to the show, Raul Padron. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it for this invitation, and I'm very excited to go for it. 
Well, hell, let's yeah, let's start with the let's start talking about the season. New team, new city, um, new stadium. <laughs> Man, a I think ring? I, yeah, it was this was incredible season, especially because the fans. I never seen so many fans in the minor league baseball game. Honestly, it was like every night at least six thousand people. And that was like, oh my god! I we're I we're in minor league baseball right now. You know, it was like, wow! It was it was something special, you know. And then um, the way the way it went, it was more even more special. So you were in Fort Wayne a couple of years ago, and they've got a beautiful ballpark yeah. that wins awards every single year. They got a bunch of people that come out. How did, how did you think the environment kind of compared? I mean, Fort Wayne is awesome. Don't get me wrong, it's, it's amazing. But um, I think here the the fans were more consistent during the whole year. You know, even when the you know school star and all this stuff, we were thinking about okay, we're gonna see less fans, and it was just it was like nothing. It was just the same fans. It's like oh my god, <laughs> you know. But I mean, for when it's beautiful, I enjoy I enjoy for when when I was there as well. And my wife and I got a chance to go out to Fort Wayne this year. Uh, we need to make a trip out to Amarillo. Uh, but we were able to tag up Fort Wayne and a trip to Wrigley Field to see the Cubs. I don't know if we're going to get a chance to do that with Amarillo. There really isn't anything within a couple hours drive, but we got to make our way out there. <laughs> All right, so so the last at-bat of the season, Taylor Trammell, he hit that, that, that walk-off grand slam. Well, wait, was it a walk-off? It was a, it was, it was it was a, a walk-off. No, Not quite. It was... It was feeling like that. It felt like that. But what impressed me was before that when he took a he took a pitch and it was called a strike and he was visibly like agitated by it, but he somehow was able to keep his cool. Had have you worked with him on that kind of stuff or what did you think of his his interaction there? I mean, that was that was incredible because he he really got mad. He got so mad because that was obviously that was a very very bad pitch, you know. No outs. We're down by two runs. You know the situation. The umpire was just like called that pitch. It was like, oh my goodness. But he was under control. He he, he was looking like you know he was kind of getting crazy about it. But he was under control. He never said nothing bad to the umpire. So I was like, okay, because I was like right there. I was very close. And, you know the Tulsa. You got the home place like really close to the dugout. So that was good. And then, um, you know, I didn't say anything to him because, you know, just to calm him down, he was okay. He was just mad about it. And uh, obviously, we always talk about that, you know, like you can't control that situation. Just be smart. I mean, it's okay to argue. I mean, you're not going to – if you argue the right way, you're just going to be fine. And then he just stayed calm. The umpire, you know, he knew he, he, he made a big mistake, and he didn't say anything bad to him. So I was okay with that. Yeah, well, the fact that you beat the Dodgers uh, affiliate uh, just makes it makes it all the better. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's 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 more special just because of that because they beat us uh, last year, so that was like you know we we need to do something about this. Ah. So all of our listeners, you being the hitting coach and with Taylor Tamell, the se- the end of the season that he had, um, some people kind of thought that there were some mechanical things. Were you were you guys working on some stuff? the second half of the season and did you see him incorporating some things right at the end there well you know what it's 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 not easy to have a guy come from a different thing you know like where like you never knew that guy before so you know obviously i was watching videos before he he was getting there after we you know after we find out that he was coming to us you know i started doing my research and look at videos and our manager as well knew their manager and um 
you know, we, we went from there. But honestly, it's, that's kind of hard stuff to do, you know, like try to, you know, when, whenever he got there, like, hey, you're doing this wrong. That's 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 very hard to do. So you have to build some, you know, some relationships, some trust. And so I was like kind of let it let him go just to watch him for a little bit, at least two weeks. So and then we start making some adjustments after that. So what kind of adjustments were they? Were you working like lower body? Was it load? Was it approach? Yeah, it was it was pretty much his lower body. It was, you know, he was just no use in his backside, you know. I'm and a huge fan of the lower half, you know. So I always tell my hitters like, what's gonna happen if your house doesn't have a good base? Everything's gonna fall down. It's the same way for a hitter, same way when you feel the same way when you're throwing, you know. So that's like they go like, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know. So he was, you know, shifting forward way too much. We take a look at some videos, you know, from the past from him. I even tell him, hey, if you want to ask your old coaches, you know, the coaches that you have when you were doing really, really good, call them. You know, we can talk to them. I can hear what they're going to say. Because now I'm, I'm here and watching you, you know, it's like now I know what you're doing. So that's what that's how everything started. You know, he called his old coach. You know, I, I was very open mind because there's no way that it's, you know, I just met a guy that is going to be, hey, we're going to do this just my way. You know, that's not how to work. So it went good. It went good. You know, I tell him, just relax. You know, now you're in a good, really, really good spot because you just get trade. You know, the, the organization wants you. So that's 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 good for you. So you know, let that pressure go away. I know it's not easy. And then do your thing. Trust yourself. You know, go out, go to the play, have a plan. Because he was just free swinger. You know, like swinging and swinging. But I can't say nothing because I just met that kid. You know, it was a happy way. I knew. You know, it was. You know, putting so much pressure on his shoulders. But um, at the end, everything went went the right way. So I'm happy for him. And he just, he went on a tear. After those two weeks, you're like, okay, he's okay, 173. Then it just started raking and hitting hitting for power. And it was like, oh, my, yes. Because, you know, as, as fans, a lot, a lot of the fans here, we scout the stat line, you know. And we're like, well, he's only hitting one seven, whatever. And well, what did we do that for? Or, you know, the guy we traded was so nice and we loved him so much. But that's why you don't scout the stat line. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, I mean, I've been there, you know, I've been fan before, I mean, like many, many years ago. So obviously I want to see my my players to perform. But, you know, we need to understand sometimes they put so much pressure because he come in a big tray, you know, like everybody wants him to do well. And, you know, it's not easy, but I mean, he, he, he went through that and he did it the right way. So, I mean, I think he put that in the past already and then he started working some really good stuff now. Well, and that's kind of brings me to my next question. Kind of, as a minor league coach, you know, how do you help develop hitters as they make adjustments and fail? Like, you know, you can go, okay, let's two week this, you know, and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while for that to kind of, you know, for those developments to 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 show. Yeah, I mean that's that's the hard part, honestly. That's that's a challenge with each hitter. That's uh, because some guys are so talented. You know, but they always have a weak spot, you know, so we got to be careful with that. You know, it's like you got to really, really know and pay attention to what that guy is doing right and what it's not. So, you know, it, it take it take it take a while. You know, it's like 
let's say I grab a guy, you know, we start a season because spring training, when we start in spring training, it's kind of hard because we're just watching guys and, you know, guys, hitter, hitter, nets, nets, nets. And then when we started hit the season, now it's like, okay, now it's, now it's the time that I can, you know, have like pretty much private time with you. Yeah. So it, it's, 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 a, it's a hard part, but, you know, I like to pay attention to take it easy on them. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to jump like, "Hey, this is your weakness. We gotta get better than this." Some guys have that that have that mindset, like they can go just right away and tack that weak weak spot. But some guys don't. You know, so it's like, and that's that's how we start coaching better. You know, like, okay, I need to know you first. You know, so that way I can make adjustments. So that's how we deal with that. You know, like, a really really good hitters have this. You know big witness but we have to wait to make the adjustments so you have a couple of players this year uh, that came into this year with big expectations in Hudson Potts and Buddy Reed uh, two very different players but they both had big years last year in single a uh, and they were there on the prospect radar so they're showing up in articles I'm sure they're feeling pressure how do you they both struggled quite a bit this year how do you help them manage their way through it and what kind of adjustments did you see those guys make yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't easy for them, you know. It was, uh, it, I mean, double A baseball is way different than the and the single A baseball, you know. Even it's a high A, you know. Here the pitchers are coming ready, ready to get you out, do the best as possible to put or put you away with the best pitch. You know, it's not like the big leaguers, but you know what? From here, they, we have a ton of guys went to the big leaguer, you know. So that makes a lot of difference from them, you know, like. You're seeing guys here, they, they don't make too many mistakes. So that, that's a big difference, you know. So for them, it was like, oh, they were like a little surprised about it, especially Hudson Pond. You know, he saw John, you know, he was like, man, they just keep throwing him in this. And, you know, yeah, for sure, if you keep swinging it, you're going to keep in it. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty obvious. But then that's, you know, we start working on a working process, you know, like it's pretty much like mental adjustments, more than physical adjustments, you know, because those kids are so strong, you know, they, they're so talented that, I mean, talent will take you, you know, to a point where you have to be more mental, mental talent, you know, like mental adjustments. It's like, yeah, this, this is a point where you have to know, like, where you really have to know what that guy is going to do to you. That, that's, that's how everything starts with them. Well, and that kind of, that kind of brings up. So, do you do you coach to the to to a player's strength, or do you kind of try to develop their weakness? No, I mean I coach both, honestly, because it's kind of hard to go to the weakness or just the strength. So, you know, I use the strength to get rid of the weakness. You know, so that's that's the way I do it. I think that's the best way to go with that. So we got a lot of looks at the Dodgers this year. And what they seem to be so much better than everybody else at is their plate discipline, that they, they don't swing at bad pitches. And when the ball's in the zone, they're making contact, even if they're just fouling it off. You don't see a lot of swing and miss out of those guys. And I understand that's something that's been preached through the minors with the Padres. Um, what kind of things do you guys try to coach these guys to do to reinforce that? Yeah, I mean, it's like like you say, we got to keep preaching about it because some guys just get too big. They want to do too much, I would like to say like that. You know, like let's say they get they they went to three three one two zero count or three zero because now we're swinging three zero, and then they want to just hit it to the moon. You know, besides just put a good swing on it. Let's see what happened. You know, because 
that's that's what we work early, you know, like carry hitting, early routine, PP. We just want to put a good swing on the ball and let it fly, you know. But in our side, just I just see it that way. Our guys want to do too much, you know. So that's that's when it came like pitcher's mistake. That's when we miss those mistakes, you know. That's I think that's uh, those those kids from the Dodgers have been seeing them for you know a couple of years already. They look pretty calm, you know, when they get ahead in the count. They don't try to do too much. They just use their strength, you know, like they, they trust yourself. I think that's that's where everything's come from. Like the more you trust yourself, the better it will be. Even if you get a good result or not, you probably hit the ball hard and somebody catches it. So what? You did it right. You know, next yeah. time you might hit it hard and no one's going to catch it. So I think that's it's just very much keep preaching, you know, like, hey, stay calm, trust yourself and, you know, put a good swing on it. So are you trying to reinforce guys to shorten up a little bit? That, I mean, you say you see them get big. What do you mean by that? That they get big? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to keep, I try to keep them short. You know, like trying to keep them where they used to be because they they short. I mean, we have really really good hitters, but just kind of get you know they want to do so much. You know, sometimes they just put a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff in their head, so it's kind of tough for any hitter to put. You know, oh, I want to hit this ball. You know, before you go, before you hit it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so I, I tell them it's better way, it's some better way to do that. Prepare in the dugout what you're gonna do. Don't say, "Oh, I need to get a hit." No, that now you're just not gonna right. get it. Right. Just prepare yourself in the dugout. Okay, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna get my pitch and I'm gonna hit it hard. That will be a whole different story. So, do you guys have much information about the pitchers that you guys are gonna, your hitters are gonna see? And are you like a reliever comes in? Are you trying to tell them what this guy does and stuff? Yes, and I mean through the years we've been improving on that. We now we're getting a sense kind of report that the big leaguers get. I mean, not so much information, right? But kind of the same report. I think that's awesome because if we have a hitter goes, let's say tomorrow you get called to the big list, you're gonna send, you're gonna see just the same report. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna see a lot of more things, you know, like way better than here, but it's gonna be just all the same, you know, more information, but it's gonna be just the same. It's not gonna be no, nothing new, like oh my god, what is this? So we're definitely using even more information. The guys, you know, like some guys likes a lot of information, some guys done. So we have to, you know. I have to be smart about it. Well, and that's true. Like strike the balance of like you can overload a player uh, with too for much too much information. Yeah, I mean, some guys like when you give them so much information, it's like they go to the play. Like, Their eyes get wide. Like, uh... Yeah. So that's when you know relationship and all the stuff coming from. You know, like you have to know your players. Like you, you really have to know your hitters. <laughs> So you talked about making the transition from minors to majors. Uh, somebody who's torn it up all the way through the minors so far is Owen Miller, and this year he just continued to hit. What does he have to do to force his way up onto a major league roster, do you think? I mean, i got to be honest. He's a pure hitter, no doubt. He's a guy that's just go to the play, know his business, know what he's going to do, know the situation, know what he has to do. So that that make him special, honestly. I would like to say from the hitting side, I mean, he, he's 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 pretty much ready for me. Wow. You know, he, he's gonna gain power. You know, all depends on off season he's gonna have again stronger because he learned this year how to hit the ball. You know, so that's 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 a big deal for any hitter. 
learn how to hit the ball. It's not that you said, yeah, because then Owen Miller just going to go to the play and hit it. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, but honestly, he's he's a really, really, really good hitter. He's He can manage a big league. For me, he can be in the big leagues right now, but you see, got to do, you know, make big adjustments and just different, you know, agilities and stuff. I think this that's not a hard that's not that's not gonna be a hard thing for him. So would you say that he's a good situational hitter or is he just somebody that kind of sprays it all over Hon- the place? Honestly, he can be all over the place. He can be a power hitter because he gonna get power. But the thing is like he doesn't have that power but he knows how to hit the ball hard. You know, you know, he knows what to do. So that's 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 different. He's gonna be able to move the runner over. He's gonna be able to hit the ball in the gap, and he's gonna he's gonna be able to put it over the fence for sure. You know, and what I like about Owen Miller, and, and yeah, is he's he's not cut. Like you see these guys, you know, after they hit a walk off, you know, they turn their shirt off, and these guys are just <laughs> ripped. You look at him, you're like, that's a dad bod. You know, it's like well, there's his, no definition. His, I think he's gonna get. Very strong, very cut because he's you know he's so young. Just very, his body is 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 not like very mature yet. So that's that's a good part. That's what I'm saying. He's gonna get some power just working out, and and he doesn't have to do much about his swing, you know, or mechanics or anything like that. So that's that's a good part of that. So somebody that started off hot, he got hurt, unfortunately. But Jorge Onya, he's a physical specimen. Yeah. Um, what what changes did you see from last year to this year that made such a big change for him? Man, he, he everything starts before spring training this year. You know, like we were talking, I was telling him his lower half, his it's so strong, but he wasn't using it. You know, it's a big guy. You're supposed to see, you know, a big guy using that lower half. But he was having a very, very hard time to use his lower half. So we started working on it, you know. So after he started feeling his backside, because like I said, I'm a big fan of the base. You know, I, I think that if you create a good base, learn how to use that backside, learn how to fire from back there. I mean, a lot of good things going to happen. So he started working on it before spring training. And then we got to Arizona and then we keep working on it. And then we put, you know, these things, uh, the blast motion, all that kind of stuff, and it was it was making it easy for us. That's a great tool that we have. So, can you explain what that is? What blast motion is, and how you? Yeah, use the it? blast motion will, you know, blast motion will tell you a lot. Of, oh, sorry, blast motion. Yeah, blast motion will tell you a lot of numbers. So, is it is it something that's on the bat? Is it something the player yeah, wears? The knock of the bat, just down here. It will tell you a lot, a lot of. A lot of good things about, you know, about what you're doing at the play, about what your swing is doing, about, you know, acceleration, hips acceleration, hands acceleration, on plane efficiency, a lot, a lot of things, a lot of things. But we have to keep it smart with our hitters. You know, we, we just want to use whatever we're seeing. It. It's not working right. We will tell them, hey, just pay attention to this. All the numbers, don't worry about that. Okay? They're going to be good. It, it, it just – if you – just make this better, those numbers are going to get better. So, I mean, and then he started working at that, and uh, he was, you know, that feedback, that feedback every day is, hey, this feels different. I'm hitting the ball even harder without even trying. Say, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want to see. That's that's why you see those big leaguers hitting those balls so far. They don't even look like, you know, they're trying to do that. 
So, so what what exactly did you have him working on? You say you wanted to get his lower body into it. Where was yeah, it? Yeah, his backside. Was it a it was, drill? Was it what 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 kind of work was it? Yeah, we did a bunch of drills from the backside. You know, we used a heavy bat, we used a heavy balls, we used a medicine ball, um, we used a short bat, and um, I mean, bunch of bunch of things. You know, different size of flips from the side, from the, from the front. You know, from from the side. It was many many different things just to make him work from the backside attack the ball from the backside because that was his big issues you know he was going forward you know opening that front shoulder and then soon he get that back i mean lower half better everything was it was good so he was feeling it you know every day here when we started season we were, you know working on it working on it i was just throwing breaking balls and changes i mean i keep my arm in good shape just <laughs> Just to do that, just, just to keep keep things real, you yeah. know, before the game starts. So I think that's 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 awesome for any hitter, you know, just like face breaking balls and changes before the game. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, I was looking so up then, your stats. I see you did have some pitching appearances in the minors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So well, where, before, where, go ahead. Before I before I was uh, I became you know a professional. I was pitching as well, so I was. You know, getting ready being a pitcher or a hitter, but um, the scouts say, "No, nah, you're not gonna pitch. You're just gonna hit." I say, "Okay, all right." <laughs> so, where did where did you learn that whole bag of tricks? It's all about the short bat, the weighted balls, the weighted bat, the medicine ball. Where did you learn of this whole? You know, all of these different tools that you use with the players. Well, to be honest, I I, I work hard. I mean, through my career, like really, really hard. So, I always was looking forward to learn something new something to help me out to get hits you know like whatever it takes to make me better i was looking forward to do it so do so you pull this all was, out of memory or do you have like a log book that you like notes you took for over the years i have a couple of notes you know from the past but pretty much i was always keeping everything in my head because i mean i i don't know but i have that like it's easy for me you know, to, to have that in my head. Like, I don't know, because maybe because I was so passionate about it now, so I even, and I'm even more passionate about it. So it's like, I know exactly what I have to do. You know, like when I start knowing the players and like next day, I, I write it down for sure. But, you know, just to have a plan because sometimes when you have 13 guys, like, you know, things can get a little crazy. So I just write it down just, just to make sure I get, I got everything for every each heater. Well, speaking about getting a little crazy, Edward Olivares did he's just a beast. Man, he's he's a guy, he made uh, a, a big, big, big adjustments, to be honest to you, especially with his routine. Because everything starts with his routine. He's he's a really, really good player. You know, he got the tools, he got everything. But his routine was so bad, you know, it was like, man, if you don't if you don't fix that routine. You know, you're not going to be successful, honestly. So we have a long talk, you know, spring training. Um, after you have a little issue with that, you know, we went to the cage. He didn't did he, he didn't swing a, a bat. He just sit down there and say, okay, we need to have a talk. And then after that talk, long talk, he was totally different guy. He was like, man, he was a man. He was like, even the his teammate was telling me like, he never did that last year. Like, this this is a totally different guy. You know, he was taking care of, his, you know, his workout, you know, like eating eating well. And the way he went to, you know, 
to his business with his routine. It was amazing. You know, he was, you know, paying attention to videos, paying attention to this, to all the little details. It's like, and then he was like, man, I never did this before. I feel great. I said, yes. I mean, that's, that's, you're supposed to feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we do it. Well, and that's, you know, and that's what you keep talking about the routine. Your talent can take you only so far, but it seems like the routines, the, the work that you put in, is re- really separates the you know the guys that stay in double A are the minor you know that are minor league guys forever that that can make it up to the majors is those small adjustments the the devils oh, yeah. are in the details you almost want to say as well um, yes and sticking with it and sticking with it even when there's not success and you're failing you know but you're hitting the ball hard but you know you're hitting it to guys and sticking yeah. with the same approach yeah that's 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 hard for any hitter you know and if you keep hitting the ball. And they keep catching it. So, so I, I just tell them, hey, you can't do nothing about it. You just have to go go out there again and do it again. You know, that's that's how you're going to survive. Sometimes you don't need that average to be so high because everybody knows that you hit the ball very, very hard and you're going to succeed at some point of your career. All right, so now we're into the off season, and uh, you're calling us from Amarillo. Uh, are you staying in Amarillo throughout the winter? Is your family with you? What are your uh, off-season plans? Yes, we're going to stay here this off-season. My family is with me. They, they went to the trade. That's why they're not here. I don't have my little princess here. I'm very sad about it. But that's okay. It's okay. I will see them very soon. Um, yeah, we're going to stay here the, off, the whole off-season. And, um, you know, let's see what's going to happen this year. Do you keep in touch with any of the players? Are you, yes, are you like sure. going around checking in with guys, anything like that? Yeah, we we actually have a plan, you know, call plan during the off season. You know, we have different type of guys. I don't, I mean, I don't need to have my guys, especially, but you know, pretty much around the organization, we make some calls. But definitely, I stay in touch with pretty much all my hitters. All right, so the winter leagues are going on, and. Uh, you, it looks like just about every off season of your career, you were playing in the winter leagues down in, in Venezuela mostly. Yes. Yes. So tell us some of your stories. What do you, uh, what do you recall from all your time in the winter leagues? Well, I have, I have a special one. Um, this was, this was a time when Omar Vizquel was playing with the Leones del Caracas. He was playing to retire. So I have this game. I was getting ready to play. So I went to the restaurant just to see myself in the mirror, just to make sure that I look good to go out there and play, <laughs> you know. And um, I was, it was this guy right next to me asking me about, hey, do you know what's a uh, pitcher half for tonight? You know, do you know that guy? I say when I turn around, it was on Arby scale telling, asking me that. <laughs> It was like, oh my god! This guy just asking me about that. I, I, I froze. I say, I, I was like, I'm sorry, but I mean, I, I'm too excited to, <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> you know, I was like, you don't want to give a bad like, information, right? Like, <laughs> you got a curveball in the slider or whatever. It was like, I want to say something, but I was like, nah. I just, I want to hug you. Hey, <laughs> this is so great to have you right next to me. <laughs> You didn't ask for his autograph, did no, you? Right. <laughs> I almost did. Ah, <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that was awesome. You know, I learned so much from him. You know, he's a great person. You know, like he wants to help people around. It's like that's, that helped me a lot just to be around those big guys, you know. 
Now he's still a coach, right? Is he still with the uh, the Indians organization? No, he's with the White Sox now, Double A, Double A yeah. manager. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. we were earlier this year. We were at the Tennessee Smokies game, and they were playing the Birmingham Barons. And you know, me, my wife, and I were behind the play. We're like, okay, manager walks out, take out the pitch. I'm like, holy cow, that's Omar Vizquel. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing in like Kodak, Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. So he's 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 probably you know probably getting his feet wet managing. Oh yeah, yeah. He wants to be a big league manager, but he wants to have some experience about it before you know he goes there. You know, that's you know, everyone talks about you know, you know, major league teams bringing in the older veteran guy to show the younger guys um, how to go about their business. You know, and that's one of the things you keep talking about as a coach is like setting your routine. You know, preparing yourself for for yeah. for major league or you know for for the game or for every game the routine you know i'm sure with omar Vizquel being there you learned so yeah. much on how to prepare just for every game and the season yeah. in itself no doubt that was that wasn't the biggest part that i learned you know then and, and passing that to my players you know I, I i never stopped learning you know for all those guys i always calling them testing them hey you learn anything different and please send me you know information Tell me what to do with this guy. What do you think about this? And I pass that information to my hitters. You know, it's like I always tell them, I'm going to prepare you to play in the big leagues. I'm not going to prepare you to play in double and triple A. You know, it's like, it's not, I mean, I don't care about triple A. I care about big leagues. You know, sometimes I'm a little hard. I, I, I you know, I, 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 you know, I, I have to accept that. But it's like, man, if you go to the big leagues tomorrow, I mean, no one's going to be easy to you, you know, like they're going to go and get you, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I'm preparing you to be a big leaguer, not to be just, you know, whatever hitter. No, no, no. I want, I want you to be the best, you know? It's like, obviously you're going to learn more over there asking your teammates. You got to ask your teammates. That's, that's huge. You know, like, and I always tell them the best coach you're going to be is yourself. No one else. You know why? Because you know yourself better than no one, better than your mom, better than you do that. So, you know, it's like the more you learn, the easier it's going to be for you when you go to the, you know, top level and hit. So how does that relate to you and your career? Because so you came to the Padres, you were a um, an assist and the extra coach. I don't know what to say, the fourth coach on the yeah. team. And then you were the hitting coach in single A, uh, advanced single A. Now you're the hitting coach in double A. Um, it seems like the Padres promote their guys pretty consistently. You've been following Lance yeah. Burkhardt, it kind of seems. Do you have aspirations yeah. of coaching at the major league level? For sure, man. That's, that's my priority to go, but you know, I want to help my guys the most as I can. So I think my job will you know, just deliver me there whenever it have to be, it will be, but I want to keep learning. I want to be, you know, like have most information as possible in my head. So that way, when they, when I get that call, I will be prepared, but I definitely would have said that chance, that challenge, because, you know, I know it's going to be a huge challenge, but I want to be prepared for that. But for sure, that's, that's my biggest goal to be in the big list as a hitting coach and help my team to win. Do you have a moment from this year where you were working with somebody and they were struggling on something and then it clicked and you kind of saw that, that spark like, happen? Do you, do you have a, a moment that you can remember like that with anybody this year? I know I'm pulling a yeah. question out of the blue, but that just came to mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure. You know what? I'm going to mention hot some pots. 
you know, because at the end of the season, something clicked to him. He finally understands a couple things about hitting. And uh, it, it gave me very excited. It gave me very happy about it because at the end, he finally decided to go out there and compete besides thinking about swinging this pitch, swinging that pitch, or swinging this. You know, he finally, you know, understand like, hey, man, all the work you're putting in together every single day, you could be the best hitter in baseball right now because this is such a good worker, you know, like really, really hard worker. Yeah. He do, do everything perfect, everything good, you know, machine, flaves, whatever. Whatever we do, he will be the best guy on it. But he was having a hard time to translate that to the game. Yeah. But at the end of the season, you know, the last month, Agus, and, and then the playoff, that kid was – he went out there and compete. I mean, they catch a lot of balls. They hit, they hit hard. I tell him, hey, don't worry about that. Just keep competing. And then I asked him about August 25th, like, hey, how are you feeling now? He said, I feel like I should be done this way early this season. <laughs> Well, that would set him up well for next year. Now he'll hit the ground running next year rather than struggle oh, yeah. all year, right? Oh, for sure. It's like, it's okay, man. You know, that's. I just wanted to hear what, what he's feeling now. It's like, now you can use this next year, you know, like without thinking about, oh, I was getting beat. Oh, no, no. Don't worry about that. You know, we've all been there. I've been there a lot of times yeah. in my career, you know, when I play. But the best way to go by your business is you go out there and compete because you prepare yourself. You know what your plan is. You know what your approach is. Which is which is gonna which is what is gonna tell you to take you to the biggest plan and approach, and then go compete, compete. I mean, if you if you fail, so what? You know, you got another chance. Yeah. Fail again, go for it again. You might have in the fifth at bat, you might have bases loaded, ten inning, and you win the game, and no one's gonna remember those four at bats. No, but we'll remember that three-run shot that he hit the same inning that... Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a moon yeah. ball. <laughs> well, we were at spring training early this year, and Erwin Santana was pitching uh, in, in a B game, and mm -hmm. uh, he he crushed this changeup, and it was like, yes, pots, honey pots. And he can't, he's 20 years old now, right? He's not even 21 yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had great spring training, but... This is the thing. They pitch different. It's totally different. Yeah. You know, everybody's just working and get their son, you know, strikes on, you know, make their spot, boom, boom, boom. But when you start the season, everyone's want to get you out. They don't want to, they don't want to hit their spot anymore. <laughs> they want to hit it, at secret, uh, you know, at some point at their bat. Yeah, they're competing. So, yeah, they're competing. Well, Raul, we really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us. Um, dude, this has been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, we, you know, have a great off season. I I'm sure when we make it out to spring training, we'll run into you. We'll go like, "Hey, remember us?" You're like, uh, "Yeah, hey, for sure." Yeah, sure. Yeah, you no. go run the other way. That's all right. <laughs> no, uh, really thank you, guys. I appreciate this, man. This is awesome. I, I love to talk about hitting. We can talk the whole night. I tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, we'll do it again. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, maybe we will take maybe we can catch you later on closer to the season. For sure, for sure, no doubt, man. All right, thanks a lot. Okay, thank you guys. All right, thank you so much, Raul. I really appreciate it, bud. No problem, man. That was awesome. Yes. I love it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right, so we'll post this in a in a day or two and we'll tag Are you on Twitter? 
you're on Twitter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll tag you on there. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you so much. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you, guys. Amarillo by morning, up from San Dude, that was cool. Yeah, that was great. That was God, I, I I love coaches that are just he's fun. You know, we were we were texting beforehand, uh, you know, to, uh, leading up to the interview, and he's like, Yeah, whatever you guys want, you know, and he told me the Omar Vascale story on on you know in text. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, no, you gotta save that for when we're recording. Absolutely. So what he was talking about made me think that it's when you're working on something and you're you're drilling something or you have a specific approach you're thinking it's hard to get out of your own way yeah. so your your mind you're you're thinking about a certain thing but when you can finally stop thinking about whatever it is you've been working on and it's just part of your second nature then that's when you can compete like he was saying yeah so you can stop thinking about looking for a pitch in a certain part of the zone or because you're not even thinking about that you're doing it but you're not consciously thinking of it Right. You can't be up there thinking and trying to hit at the same time. Absolutely. And and the big thing that I got from that is is the preparation and like these guys are so talented. Like the everyone in a, on a double A roster, you know, is incredibly talented, but the devil's in the details. The devil's in preparation. The devil is in, you know, the success is in competing and kind of getting out of your own way and and just letting it happen, trusting yourself. And that's the difference between going to double A and making it up to the big leagues. And then once you get to the big leagues, you better be ready. Mm-hmm. And like he said, because it's like they're not they're not there to just fool around. Oh no. They're there to get you out. Oh yeah. And cause it is the big leagues. Um fantastic. Tons of information. Um I you know, I love what he said about Owen Miller and the he's just he's a hitter. He's 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 a he's a hitter. Yeah, and the way that he talked about like the defense side of it, it sounds like there's not a whole lot to work on there. Right. I mean, yeah, you want to get better at agility and, yeah. and footwork and stuff, but it sounds like he already has a pretty solid base. Yeah. It's just a matter of finding the opportunity to, to, to get him there. Yeah, and I'm sure that, I'm sure he'll be in with a big league camp. A couple oh, yeah. of these guys will be with a big league camp. I bet everybody we talked about today is going to be in the big league yeah. camp. Yeah, and Edward Oliveras. He's already on the 40-man roster. Oh, yeah. So what, if at the very least, he'll be, you know, uh, a September call-up. At the very least. If he's still with the team. Right. Well, that's, that's, another, that's, for another, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Ivan Castillo. We didn't. I wanted, I wanted to bring him up, but it's just we, were, we had so many questions. We only hit like yeah. half of them. So we'll have to hit him up again. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. Let's go Padres. Go Padres. I ain't got a dime, but what I got is mine. I ain't rich, but Lord, I'm free. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo is where I.